You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, hour number three. We're coming to you live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. We're going to tee up the Flames and Rangers game. I want to ask you about something I've seen on social media regarding the Flames. And we'll tell they're you they're trending. Well, no, are they getting added? No, hashtag flames. Stop. And uh, I'll tell you about the softest man in the world. Mm-hmm. And don't forget our podcast, the big show podcast. Where can you find it, George? Uh, Google, uh-huh. Apple, Spotify, yep. wherever you find your favorite podcast. Sure, did I miss one? Well, I don't know. We used to include Amazon, but it's not on the sheet anymore. Okay, whatever. So, wherever you get your favorite podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, right now, joining us on the line, f- Flames playing for the first time in forever, uh, Corey Sarich, Flames alum, former NHLer, Flames analyst for Sportsnet on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Corey, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing well, thanks. You guys? Uh, th- thanks for jumping on. This is the first time we've had the chance uh, to chat on the air here. I wanted to ask you, when you played in the NHL, what was your NHL All-Star break like? What did you like to do? Did you get to the rink? Did you want to stay sharp? Did you just sit there and drink beers on the couch? What was Corey Sarge's all-star break experiences? Well, I sure know that we didn't get a week off ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know that I know that never happened. So it was kind of like your Christmas break. You had two or three days, probably drink too much one of those days, eat too much both of those days, and uh, just hang out and relax, actually. It was always nice to get away from the rink. Um, as I got older, I was a guy that, We'll kind of like to stay on the ice, but they like I know for us they would basically close it down. Our trainers and everybody need to get away from the rink too, so they they just tried to keep everybody out of there and keep everybody on the same page. But I'm sure guys these days can probably get on the ice if they want to. Well, yeah, I was thinking like if if Corey Sarge had a nine day break instead of just three, what would the repercussions have been on the rest of your season? It would not have been good news if I had a nine-day break <laughs> mid-season. <laughs> like, uh, it's crazy as a professional athlete. Your your conditioning, even when you have a couple days off the ice, you feel it. It's you're kind of a creature of habit. So when you can stay on the ice every day or only have one day off, it doesn't really affect you. But when you get two, three, four days off the ice, it's it's not an easy recovery. It it, it comes back fairly quick, but it it's definitely better if you can keep some touches out there. Uh, what was your summers like? Cause I think you were playing in the time where guys, you know, maybe at the beginning of your career, there were still some guys in the league who didn't skate at all in the summer or barely and use training camp to get into shape. And then towards the end of your career, you have guys who are doing this all year, pretty much every day. What were your summers like from the beginning of your career to maybe the end? Um, I never really changed a lot. Uh, you know, the season is such a grind that, I had some guys that I watched start in like June and July and really were on the ice almost, you know, five days a week for sure through July and August. And I just, I kind of noticed burnout in some of those guys. So for me, it was, it was maybe some light skates in July and then it was really cranking it up into August and, and trying to be on the ice almost every day in August, obviously, 
Saturdays and Sundays were a little more difficult weekends because we had we had to skate up at places like Westside Rec Center here. Um, there wasn't quite as much ice available. It was a little bit trickier. I uh, didn't really have the option when I first came in the league of wind sport with four sheets of ice, but it was it was more so about the training. It was about building yourself up. I know a lot of guys love to work out in season. Um, I was a guy that just liked to main kind of maintain what I had in season and not, and not be pushing as hard because again, if you, I had a few few years where I played like 82 games in a row, like four or five in a row, and it's such a grind and a toll on your body and you mix in playoffs that to be on the ice for 10, 11 months out of the year, I think is too much. Same with, same with the working out too. Like you hit it hard in the summer to bulk up and then you try to keep what you have, but to be mixing in hard workouts during the season, it's, it's just not easy. Now, all this being said, uh, as you return from any sort of break, would you prefer to start it at home or on the road? Because as we get set for the Flames return to action, they're going to start a four-game road trip out in the Eastern Conference with a stop at MSG this evening. I, I don't. Well, after this break, I don't think it really matters mm. where, where you go. But if it was a short two or three days, I always found it easier at home. Yeah. Right, you've got everything here. You don't have the travel mixed in. You're sleeping in your own bed, and you're just—I felt like I was a little bit more prepared. So I, I think that's going to be a real difficult one. The uh, heading into MSG here, right off the hop. But you know, if you've got a young team with guys that uh, don't mind being out there on the road, restaurants, having someone making your bed for you. Hey, it might it might be an advantage for a youthful Flames team. Nazem Kadri was the Flames uh, representative at the All Star festivities down in Florida. I guess just uh, maybe an initial thought: uh, What have you made of the season that Nazem Kadri has had here with the Calgary Flames, and and as uh, he gets set for the second half? Because for my money, he might be the most consistent forward on this team. Well, he has been. He came out of the gates hot. I was really impressed with Nazem at the at the very start of the season. Um, he was just, you know, full throttle. He was the guy that was kind of racking up points for the Flames. Um, he was extremely consistent and so so well prepared all over the ice. I, I love defense comes easy for for Nazem. Um, I found that through that that kind of stretch there 15 to 30 games obviously he had a little bit of a letdown in the points department but a guy like that on your team is still so valuable because he's getting his he's doing the job in his own end he's looking after things so it's he's been he's been a big part of this team he is his play has picked up as of late I'm sure he was a guy that like at this point with even their line kind of starting to click Maybe it's not a time of the year where you want to break, but he's a pretty adaptable guy. I mean, you know, you look at him early in his career, maybe a little too rambunctious, get himself in a lot of hot water for the way he plays. I think he could maybe even at, he could at this point in his career bring a little bit of that back into his game, like not the stuff that's getting him suspended, but even a little bit more physical play on a night-to-night basis. But I think he's been a great addition for the Flames, and if the points keep coming like they have been, I mean, he's going to turn out to have a season almost like it looked like last year.
uh, Corey Sarich, a former Flame, uh, Flames analyst for Sportsnet, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, Corey, we talked about this during the break here. 32 games left for the Flames. How many of those games does Dan Vladar start, or how many should he start? I think it's got to be two-thirds. His, his play has warranted him to be in the net. I think he's your go-to guy right now. You get after it with him, see how it goes. And I know that's that's not awesome for Jacob Markstrom, but you've got to go with the hot hand. This is the team that's going to have to scrap and claw to get in the playoffs. It's it's trended that way. You know, the last 15, 20 games, they've been, been right on the edge, right on the bubble. And if you want to make the playoffs, you've got to go with the guy that's going. And I know that sucks for Markstrom, but he's a team player and – you can you don't want your star goalies to have off seasons, but unfortunately it's it's trending a little bit like that. And I just I relate back to like when I played we here in Calgary we had the one year and it wasn't our goaltender, but we had a lot quite a few injuries. We had a few of our top guys that weren't playing extremely well, but they were injured and we had a bunch of fill ins, you know, guys that had played in the AHL, guys that were our third, fourth liners that were taking more minutes. And just our chemistry as a team was actually better with some of, without some of our top players in, and we were making a real push to get into the playoffs. Our top guys got healthy. We brought them back in. Our chemistry fizzled. Those guys, it took them too long to get going, and we missed the playoffs for a second or third year in a row. So I'm, I'm all about the hot hand. You go with the players that are going to get you there, and the other guys are going to have to be professionals and just – do their best. We dove into some numbers about how the team plays in front of Markstrom and how they play in front of Vladar. Was that something you were aware of when you played in the NHL? Well, we had, yeah, I, I would say so. And unfortunately for us, it was, it was never our, if you call Vladar your backup this year. Uh, it was never our backup that saw our best play in Calgary. That was, that was pretty, pretty easy to, to see that, when we had Mickey Kiprasov in that, it's, uh, you knew you stood a pretty good chance. For some reason, our psyche, whenever our backup went in, we played, instead of rallying around the guy and, and giving him a chance, we just folded like cheap tents. So I, I pitied the likes of, you know, Curtis McElhenney, yeah. um, who else came along through those years. Toskala um, was there for a bit. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't here for, for very long. No. I'm trying to think of... Um, Henrik Carlson. Yes. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, you know, and a big, good goalie Carlson. And he was a guy that was, reminds me a little bit, kind of same, same physique as Vladar. And he was very rangy in that, but we didn't do a lot to boost his confidence. I, I, I remember the Mechelhenny starts back, back in, uh, those kind of late 2010, 2000s. Those, uh, I, I certainly remember those games quite a bit, Corey. Uh, I wanted it's to nice. go ahead. I was please. just going to, I was going to give a shout out to Curtis though. Like talk about, a talk about a pretty strong mental individual and mm. go on and put the career together that he had. And he obviously, he obviously proved his teammates in Calgary wrong that, He's a pretty top quality goaltender because he made some pretty incredible, you know, backup runs with some with some other pretty special teams. So it was it was nice to see he was always a favorite teammate of mine. Well, and he'd get like what two starts a month while Mika made seventy starts a season. Yeah, it's that's it's not a it's not a great 
uh, combination for your two goaltenders. Um, I did want to ask you, this is a team that we don't know if Chris Tanev is going to be back right now. Dennis Gilbert was recalled by the club over the course of the weekend. But do you remember guys like Chris Tanev being on your team? And perhaps it was kind of like your role, I guess, but like a guy who can go out, play tough defensive minutes, be an elite penalty killer, but really the, the kind of quiet heartbeat of the entire blue line. Yeah, we've uh, like I mean I I played with guys like like a Robin Regeer mm-hmm. um, in Tampa. Um, Pavel Kabina logged a lot of ice, so he was a little bit more on the offensive side of things. But such a big body in your own zone, and then other other teammates of mine, um, Jason Cullimore, he was a shot blocking machine. Um, just quietly went about his business huge body hard to get around when he decided to be extremely physical he was one of the toughest to play against and it, it's pieces like that that they're really hard to replace and a Chris Tan of this day and age I mean you can't hardly name a guy on each team around the league that plays like him there there might be one on each team but you'd be pretty hard-pressed I'd say there's maybe a dozen guys like Chris Tan in the league that you know, is quiet, unassuming, will sacrifice his body. Just he, he's he's old school, and I love watching him play. I'm still so geared that way mentally that I root for guys like him. And I honestly think, you know, I'm coaching minor hockey right now. I watch some of my my nephews play hockey. Young kids, it's missing in the game. It's missing at the pro level. I can't get over how many players can't look away from the puck and just defend they get so mesmerized and we get highlight real goals because of it but i'm sure embarrassed for some defenders out there so chris tanev uh sorely missed and we we need him back as soon as possible um playing defense in the national hockey league and the way chris tanev plays I know he's probably just dying to get back into the lineup and he's such an important member of this blue line, but Corey, how do you balance that as a blue liner? Like how healthy do you have to be to be effective? Cause clearly he wants to be back in here, but the, the, the way he plays, you know, he's more likely to get hurt than some other guys on the ice. How do you manage that as a defenseman wanting to get back in, but then knowing that I need to be, you know, healthy enough to contribute. Yeah, it's, it's a fine line because, I've I've been there before where you think you can go, but I don't even know if you can if you can quantify it. You just know that if you can't do everything, and I think it's especially something like a shoulder with Chris, or where it's a strength based issue, where you're where you're nervous about losing a battle in your own end that that results in chances. Um, those are probably the hardest things to kind of make a decision on whether you're ready or not um i suffered with like a lot of injuries played through broken feet broken toes that stuff as long as it doesn't affect your skating too much you get it in a boot get it going it's fine but it's, it's some of the stuff where you're like one hand off your stick you've got to be strong you've got to make make plays be able to move guys battle in front of the net box guys out if it's if it's anything like that that puts you in question that's where the decision has to be made and you're, you're probably better off to have someone else out there if that's the case. 
Now, for his role, you'd think that the guy would rock a mouth guard, but instead he's just out there chewing on some double bubble. Have you ever, did you ever play with anyone that just opted to go the, the bubble gum route when they were out on the ice? Oh, yeah, lots and lots of guys. Mm. Mouth guards weren't that popular when I played, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> and there were a lot more flippers in the league. Guys would put in their two or three teeth after the game. <laughs> so there, there's a lot more of the... There's a lot more of the Chris Tanev look out there. He's yep. He's kind of he's on his own these days for the most part. But no, that was uh, you had a standard two or three of those on your team when I played. Uh, Corey, I got to ask you. Um, you played in the beautiful city of Buffalo, New York. Um, yes. They had an earthquake there today. How mind blowing would have that been if you would have been woken up by an earthquake in Buffalo in the winter when snow's always an issue? I didn't know that Buffalo was on a fault line. That seems pretty incredible to me. But I guess with all those massive lakes surrounding it, um, there's got to be some kind of underground activity going on. That'd be that'd be a heck of a shocker. What uh, I never heard. What did it register? Three eight. Yeah. So you you definitely get a pretty good crack inside yep. inside the house. Yeah. So not I only won't... you have to deal with all that lake effect snow. Now the earth has to shake in Buffalo. I mean, that's isn't that why we live in the prairies? Not a lot of natural disasters out here. Yeah, so, yeah. It's a. I didn't. I thought Buffalo was kind of along the same line. There's not usually that much excitement there. Yeah. Well. Oh. Yeah. You got duffs. You got the anchor bar, and you got earthquakes now in Buffalo. We might have old Rhett Warner uh, traveling back this way. He's you know oh. he's been a he's been a bit of a transplant out there. Yeah, again, for, for uh, a little little period of time, that might that might scare him back this way. Uh, you're hey. right. I never thought uh, we'd be talking about Buffalo and on a fault line, but uh, here we are today on the uh, big show. Corey Sarich, former NHLer, former Flames, Sportsnet Flames analyst. Corey, great stuff. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, you guys. So I'll, I'll be rooting and watching. There you go. And there's uh, Corey Sarich on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe. Since 1975, done in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. George, I got the fault line for uh, that that Buffalo's lies on. Okay. It's the Clarendon Linden Fault System. Mm. Okay. Uh, It's a a tiny lawn, but it's there. So, um, I... Again, I'm not a... uh, Would it be a geologist who studies those things? Seismologist. Seismologist? That's how dumb I am. But, um... (laughs) Did you think it had anything to do with the earthquake in Turkey? Ah, uh, no, not likely. Really? Yeah, that's they're two completely different faults. Yeah, unless this is like Godzilla. Just and the Turkey one is rolling much, devastating, much yes. devastating, much yeah, more devastating. Just some of the videos are just really scary. Yeah. I seeing of Turkey, but there is like you've never, you guys have never. Is there a fault line in Manitoba? No. <laughs> Uh, is northern Northern Alberta can get some. You can get some really? along the the Rockies along. Yeah, like I know on the like, Rocky Mountain House is yeah the left coast, especially the the northwest. Like they get some some seismic activity there, they get the but Cascadia nothing here. Uh, no, nothing that can be catastrophic. So you've here. never well, no, but even enough that it would wake you up because I've been woken up before by an earthquake and you're like oh great the my why is my room shaking this is weird this, i don't know i've never been no through good. ones but you'd have to like i i know that like a rocky mountain house was just about two hours just northwest of here and up in ground prairie around there they can i don't know if it has anything to do with like the oil with the fracking but is there is some fault lines up there as well too. oh interesting yeah. Well, eventually, California is going to break away from the United States and fall into the ocean if you watch a lot of disaster movies. Big fan of, of 2012, are you? 
the San Andreas <laughs> fault line. Yeah. Good film. Yeah. Quality film. Not really. I like a good apocalypse movie. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> it's bad. It yeah, wasn't there's a lot of them were bad. All right. Uh, straight ahead. Um, we're going to tell you about the softest man in the world. Yay. And um, I'm going think... to talk about something that I just keep seeing on social media. And even our man, our intern Noah brought up this week. On social media? Last week. Really? Yeah, I want to talk Wait, about that Wait, did he bring it up ahead. in one of his hot takes or on Correct. social media? Nope. Oh. Hot takes. We'll do that next to wrap up uh, the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Later on, we'll tell you about the softest man in the world. And I'll have some advice. You know, I usually like to give some advice here or there. Not that I have lived a fulfilled life. But anyway, I'll, I like to give some advice. I was going to say you're not qualified either. but yeah, No, I'm not qualified. Much like we're not qualified to talk about earthquakes, but we did that last segment. <laughs> and that turned out fine for everybody involved, didn't it? Was it was fine. Um, Flames and Rangers tonight for the first time in nine game, nine days. The Flames are finally back at it tonight at Madison Square Garden against those Rangers. Uh, wanted to ask you, very interesting what we just asked Corey Sarich. 32 games left in the Flame season. According to MoneyPuck.com, second easiest schedule remaining. He thinks Vladar should play two-thirds of the games. What say you, Matty Rose? Two-thirds is a lot of games. That's what I would say. I'm okay. expecting more of a 50-50 split, just kind of understanding how things go. What should it be? See, this is the, the thing that I always have trouble with because goaltenders could always be uh, up and down. Things can change. But right yep. now, as it as it stands, I wouldn't be mad if Dan Vladar got two-thirds of the starts on this current road trip. I wouldn't be mad if he got two-thirds of the starts for the rest of the month. Mm. I wouldn't be mad if he got two-thirds of the starts until he starts to play bad. Mm-hmm. And then you turn it over. Like, that's my problem with goalies. Like, you can't really lump a half season together and say, how should it be done? Because they're up and they're down. They're the most volatile position, arguably, in sports, if not just hockey. But the other thing is, Dan Vladar has great numbers recently. Yep. You go back to November 29th, he's 10-0-3 since. Of course, we've been talking about how he's on this uh, franchise-tying point streak that he's currently on. The numbers are good. 903 save percentage. Who's starting tonight? Fine. Uh, I would probably say Markstrom starts tonight. Uh, 274 goals against. But that's what I would say. I'd say probably, like, once again, what I think should happen and what I believe is going to happen aren't always hand in hand. Like, the, the Flames can't afford to play contract scenario here. And by that, I mean because Markstrom makes X number of dollars, he should be making more of the starts. This team is tooth and nail to make it into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And right now, today, what day is it? February 6th, Dan Vladar gives him a better chance to win a hockey game than Jacob Markstrom. 100%. Right. now, And there's nothing wrong with that. At least the Flames have the luxury of turning to a guy when their number one guy isn't playing up to standard. Like, the Flames are lucky to have that quote-unquote problem. Those are champagne problems. Your number one guy is struggling. Your backup is starting to take starts away from your number one because he's playing so well. Those are good problems to have. 
but the Flames shouldn't be playing. We got to play this guy because of his contract. Well, no, the number one objective for this team and the reason why Tree went out there and made all those blockbuster moves in the summer when Johnny and Kachuk left was to be a playoff team and have a deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And today, tonight, Vladar gives you a better chance to win a hockey game. 100%. Now, the other thing I would say is coming off this big break, I wonder if the team went to Jacob Markstrom and said, hey, this is what we want you to do. This is what we want you to work on. Maybe they saw some things in the first couple days of practice as the team returned or the first day of practice. And maybe they do go back to Jacob Markstrom. They say, have you worked on stuff? Fresh slate here in the second half of the season. You've had nine days off. You're our guy because you have been our guy. You were a Vesna finalist last year. We're going to give you the first start of the break. But that being said, leash is short. That's what I imagine the message was. But at the same time, like you've mentioned, you got a good option in Dan Vladar to go to if things don't work out. I wouldn't be upset if it was Dan Vladar getting the start. I think it would make a lot of sense. Well, if they go to Jacob Markstrom, first game out of a long all-star break, and, and that's the guy who's getting paid, who got you there last year, I also wouldn't be shocked if they say, okay, show us what you brought, show us what you worked on, let's see what you can do. Have a better second half. Because, listen, there's other goalies across the entire NHL. Look at Jack Campbell last year. He was awesome in the first half, and then he was just terrible in his second half. Or do I have that backwards? No, I have that right. Yeah, Jack Campbell was terrible in the second half. Terrible in the second half. Vezna yeah. Caliber in the first half. Right. Made the all-star team. <laughs> then after the all-star break, Yeah, and then the Oilers stupidly gave him a big long-term deal. <laughs> which makes people in Calgary smile. And now Stuart Skinner's their starter. Yeah. Uh, great mustache on Stuart Skinner, though. Oh, man. Might yeah. have been one of the highlights of the All-Star yeah, festivities. That thing is thick, too. That thing does not goof around. That thing is a beautiful, thick mane on the top of his lip. Um, <laughs> do you buy into the fact, and we did the numbers before the All-Star break, that the team plays better in front of Vladar? Like, it, I, I don't think they try any differently in front of Vladar. I think that when you look at the numbers and the results, and you'd wait, be hard-pressed to and say... And Vladar's had the tougher schedule of opponents. The winning percentage on the games that Vladar started against those teams, they've had a better winning percentage than the games Markstrom has started. Honestly, I don't know if for me, it is relative of the goaltender. I think that this has been a year where the Flames have played down to their competition. We've seen it happen a little bit over the course of the season, where they've lost games to teams that they should be beating. Chicago, Columbus. Sure. They've lost games to both of those clubs this year. Yeah. And I don't think it's as simple as saying, oh, Buddy's in the net. We're not playing as good for him. Or, you know, I think that the maybe the, the if I'm trying to create a, a train of logic here, it would be this guy won us a Vesna, he'll bail us out. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't buy into... They play that much differently, goalie to goalie. I think that those numbers, if anything, are a bit of an anomaly. Like, there's so many things that go into these, into it, right? The games that Dan Vladar's been in net, the team seems to play better. Like, we talked about it. The one thing with Jacob Markstrom this year is he usually lets in a bad goal at a bad time. And he also makes five to ten outstanding saves that gives the team a chance to win. Yeah. But when you're a team that struggles to score... And you're in all these one-goal games, you can't afford to just give up one stinker. The margin for fault for Jacob Markstrom this year has been slim to none based yeah. on what this team has been doing up front. 
Um, I saw it floating on social media today, and our intern Noah talked about it last week in his uh, Red Hot Flames 15 seconds take. Yeah. Um, the future of general manager Brad Tree Living. Mm. Honestly, like, if they didn't give him a contract extension after this summer, what's the rush then? Do you think his future is tied to what this team does in the playoffs and or making the playoffs? I think it has to be, doesn't it? But then again, I don't know what the mandate has been from up top. You know, it's so tough to actually put realistic expectations on this team after so much movement in the offseason. And I know you've talked about it. They had aspirations of being a playoff team and being able to run it back to a certain extent after the deals that they made. Was that a realistic expectation? Maybe not in the first year after all these moves. Sure, it's been easier for Kadri. The guy's been dealt before. Huberto and Uyghur haven't shown as easy as a assimilation into the team, into the system. So that all comes to the front here as well. I think it's really interesting because if you look around in the NHL, Kyle Dubas in Toronto, his, his future's tied to what the team does in the playoffs because they haven't gotten out of the first round since 2004. But this team had some success last year, had a great regular season, had a guy leave for nothing when he when there was thoughts in the organization that he would stay long-term. And then he had to scramble and fill holes and potentially build a team that's maybe better suited from the playoffs than it was last year. And I think the last game before the break, that Friday night game in Seattle, to me was an indication of what this team potentially could look like in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But again, you know the ownership and this organization more than I do. Does it matter that he doesn't have an extension right now? I think that's weighing on him as much. Is it all performance-based? Because uh, if, if you just base it on this past summer, him and Pierre Dorian in Ottawa were the stars of the summer. They're the guys who really improved their teams or, or in Tree's case, uh, filled holes in a very difficult situation and came out looking like a superstar. And then all of a sudden, the guy has yet to have a contract extension. We don't know. Have there been talks? Maybe. I don't know that. But I don't even know it really matters. Like, is if Brad Tree Living left tomorrow as the general manager of the Flames, would that would that be a devastating loss to this franchise? I think it would be... I think it would be a complete mistake. Personally, I think it would be a complete error. I don't think anything that Brad Tree Living is to look at. This, I believe that if Brad Tree Living doesn't get re-signed by the Flames, he'll be snatched up in a heartbeat. As a general manager somewhere else? I believe so. Okay. This is a guy that every time, all, all you ever hear about is how he's dialed into every market. Every time there's a trade rumor, He's rumored to be part of it. The Flames have at least kicked tires on something. Sure. He's had opportunities to make deals. He's gone and made those deals. He's had opportunities to get, sign guys in free agency. He's gone out and done it. Like, I don't know what more you could say of Brad Tree Living here. Because here's the thing, and this is what we don't really know. When it came down to these deals, was it a call from ownership? Or was it a call from the GM that said, this is the way that we're going. Because if the ownership said, this is the way that we're going, and then it's starting to blame him for, and then you blame him for the move, that doesn't make any sense. So 
that's where I come down on the kind of Bradshaw living conversation as far as returning. I, I'm not phased by it, and I think he's done everything in his power to do what he can with what hasn't always been a rosy situation. Uh, isn't Frank Cervalli the one who said that maybe Daryl Sutter would like to be the general manager again along with the head coach? He didn't say that he had any reports or anything, but Frank's general opinion as a guy who watches from the outside and watches right. press conferences was... He got a feeling like it wasn't crazy. What if, okay, what if this scenario happened? What if they kicked Brad upstairs to even higher role with the team, like a president of something, and then Daryl was named the general manager? That feels like a complete, it's, no. Could that be a possibility, though? I don't think it's, sure, it's a possibility. I think it would be the wrong step to make. It already like look okay, at look okay. at what's happened with okay, the no. young players on this organization no, no. Uh, okay. and how they've been called up All and right. they haven't been played. There sounds like there's already headbutting between the general manager and the head coach. So, just as watching from the outside, that's yep. all you can see. Okay. So well, why would you put them okay. both in two offices side by side and say you have to work together every day? All right. Not let, a chance. Let me ask you this, and producer Patrick, uh weigh in on this too. We know that Sutter's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. It's on that extension. extension after this year. Okay, let me ask you this. Where would you have Daryl Sutter right now? As the GM of the team or the head coach? Head, head coach. coach. Not okay. even close. Not even close. George, we, we, we this city, like, this I know you've been down the road before with Daryl Sutter. And it's not a great road. No. It's an I, awful road. I know. It's but, bumpy. But it's not paved. But... <laughs> But here's it's full of raiders like road and Viking. It is that, that dirt road and Viking. It's full <laughs> of like six foot six guys who can't play. Okay, but based on what I see Dion on Flames Twitter for no picks? in our text line, yeah, Nick oh, Hagman, you, you got to get rid of Daryl Sutter. He doesn't. He doesn't nurture our young players. The guy's not going anywhere. That's what I'm saying. He's not going anywhere. Here's what I think. Everyone complaining about he doesn't play the young players. Look at Jacob Pelche's last four games. Just yep. because Matthew Phillips didn't come in and play 15 minutes in his first NHL game this season doesn't mean the coach doesn't think there's something there. Yeah. But now there's been opportunity for Jacob Pelche. He gets the call. And look at his ice time. Under 10 minutes the first two games. Well over 15 in the third. And then between 13 and 14 minutes of ice time in the fourth game. Progression. He's been bumped up to the line. He's been bumped up lines. We'll see where he ends up playing against the Rangers. But, yeah. like... Daryl's entire point has not been, I don't play young guys. It's, I don't play guys who aren't ready to play in the NHL. And he felt like Jacob Pelche needed a few games to be there. And but now he's showing it. But all of this just comes back to this, in my opinion. What I have noticed with this organization, if Daryl and Trey had a power struggle, who wins it? I don't know. Right now? Hard to say. Who's got more term on their contract? That's probably where I'd lean. Patrick? I I don't think Sutter might have as much power as we think. I hmm. still think it is might be this is still Tree's team. And I think, yeah, he went all in last summer. Let's see how it works. I think that's gonna be where it's judged. If this team misses the playoffs, I don't I don't I don't know where Tree living. I don't know if they can bring him back because they sent out a first and, and you know to get and like Matthew Kachuk and all that for something that's not working right now. And like he wanted to keep up going for the playoffs. He wanted to still be that cup contender. And I totally get 
what Tree Living did. Yeah. But I don't think Sutter has as much control as we think. Right. But at the same time, with the moves that he did make in the summer, we don't know if that was from the top to be still competitive and try to be a playoff hey, team. This could have been Murray Edwards saying, hey, Brad, you got to do this. Yeah. Because obviously, uh, we know the sweet, sweet plum that is NHL playoff revenue that goes yep. right into the owner's pockets. Again, we can say, a lot of fans can say that Tree maybe should have torn down the team and went in full tank, but would get into the Bedard sweepstakes after Johnny Kachuk left. But at the same time, we don't know what the mandate was from the ownership. Like, look at that disaster in Vancouver where the owner has his fingers in every single pie, and that organization is a total nightmare. And I don't look at, think Look that- at the Washington franchise with Daniel Snyder trying to make decisions. When you have bad ownership, I just don't know what the ownership is here. Well, like, that's the are thing. they are they invested? Is it a day to day thing? Are I don't they, think it's day to day. Okay, but that like does, okay, you guys just run the team and I'll just count the money. Is listen, that how it works? If you're talking about a Matthew Kachuk trade, like that's something you got to go up with. It's like when Jerome McGinley was here. That's something you have to run up the flagpole if you're going to deal yeah. a Jerome McGinley, right? Because that is the next direction of the franchise. And frankly, that like I don't think that if he's like, hey man, I. If, for example, if the Flames wanted to get Jacob Magna for a 2023 fourth round pick, I don't think you got to run that all the way up the flagpole. Yeah. Like we also, there, there were issues back with some former deals with this team right. where the GM had to clear it with an owner and the deal didn't go through because couldn't reach the owner and deal didn't go through. And I think after that, there were steps that were taken. So the general manager had a lot more say as to what exactly was happening and he didn't have to run everything up the flagpole. But something like a Matthew Kachuk trade, yeah, you probably had to get that one stamped. Mm-hmm. Well, and obviously a Nazem, signing Nazem Kadri has to get stamped. Signing Daryl Sutter has yeah. to get stamped. Okay. Interesting times here with the Calgary Flames. Text line blowing up with a lot of stuff. Thing, please, God, no, not Daryl Sutter as a general manager again. But again, we're not the ones who brought it up. Frank Cervalli was on our show, and he kind of floated that out there that maybe that would be something he'd want to do. That's why Frank is in the know and he's an insider. And that's why it's fun to talk about that stuff. And that's why it's fun to get reaction from the text line. Oh, yeah. All sorts of riled up. Yeah. A lot of them is just like PTSD flashbacks from those GM days. Yeah. Didn't love those. Uh, Flames and Rangers tonight, 5 p.m. start. You love those East Coast games, uh, Maddie. those 5 p.m. starts. So good. 5.30 today, though. Is it 5.30 today? 5.30. Are you sure? I'm yep, I'm positive. The rundown is incorrect. Oh, all right. 5.30. Patty goes at 4.30. Okay. Flames talk at 2. Two and a half start. hours of well, Flames broadcast talk. gets going at 5. With Pat so. Steinberg. Okay. Pat Steinberg, Flames Telethon for awesome. Dirt Roads. Okay. <laughs> By River Spirit Golf dirt, Course. Dirt Roads with okay. Raiders. Uh, Wait, we got about five minutes to go here. What did you say about River Spirit? Um, that one road by River Spirit oh, Golf Course oh, that yeah. just, it's to nowhere and it's a dirt. I'm like, why can't they pave this? You're like, cause it leads to nowhere. Yeah. I'm like, that's odd. It's just a range road, George. They okay. don't pave range roads. They go to nowhere. Okay. Except for like a person's home. Okay. Um, I got to tell you about the softest man in the world. Oh yeah. And I'm teasing this all day. And, um, a lot of us, I think have been in this situation. Okay. And a lot of us are smart enough to pull the chute. And a lot of us get sucked in for years. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about a man in Singapore (laughs) 
who is seeking more than $2 million in legal damages. Oh, he was done wrong, it seems. Against a woman who Uh, he said uh caused him trauma after she rebuffed his romantic advances and told him she only saw him as a friend. Homie wants two schmill because he got friend-zoned? Woof. The man identified as a, this is the best part of his job, a drone racing executive. Oh, nice. nice. K. Kashinga in legal documents alleged that in the defamation lawsuit set to be heard in Singapore's high court next week, that the woman's rejection caused him, quote, sustained trauma and, quote, reductions in his earning capacity. The suit in which, of course, the woman is contesting seeks about $2.3 million in damages for being uh, friend-zoned. Here's the best part of the story to me. So apparently they met, uh, he first met the woman in a, quote, social setting in 2016. Okay. And over time, their friendship developed, but problems began to arise. In September of 2020, four years later, uh, they became misaligned about how they saw their relationship. She apparently said, I don't want to see you as much as I used to. I just see you as a friend. So this guy... Uh Uh-huh. Four years hung on being in the friend zone. Four years. Good for him. Yeah. Like, uh, again, if if you are friends with the opposite sex, that's totally cool. I, I have no problems with that. But if you're looking for something else and you're in the friend zone, I think the maximum amount of time before you should pull the shoot and then start ghosting that person, if you know things aren't going that way, instead of, quote, being friends... Mm. Three months seems even a little excessive, hmm. but three months seems to be the right number for me, Maddie. And again, well, I, this is his fault. You have to know you can't be in the friend zone for four years. Have some self-respect. I think I was in it for two, two years or two months, not two months, two years, maybe not two years, maybe dipped in and out for uh Portions of two years, but now we've been going strong for five years, so it's fine. Okay. And I never felt like suing for $2 million in damages. Then. Um, that was never an issue. Patrick, I just, uh, when I wasn't feeling it, I just mm, turned my attention elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Like you should. Patrick, what is, what is the longest you should maybe um, be in the friend zone before you have to cut your losses and move on? Uh, I would probably say three to four months, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that even feels a little long to me because uh, this is this dude's total fault here. You can't be in the friend zone because nothing is worse than not only being in the friend zone, but also seeing your buddy in the friend zone and having that straight up talk going, dude, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> you got to s- cut your losses. You gotta stop. Oh, great. Cheryl's coming out again tonight. Your friend. And you're going to, and then Cheryl's and you're gonna going to talk to other stuff? dudes while you're sitting there moping in the corner. Mm. No, nah. You got to cut your losses. I think three months is the absolute limit, and that's even pushing it. And if you know somebody in your life who's in the friend zone, you should do them a favor and go cut your losses or sue them for $2.3 million. Hey, if you've got a case, yeah, that's a nice way to make 2.3 yeah. schmill. Like, you want to talk about frivolous lawsuits? <laughs> like, the woman who spelt the coffee in McDonald's that was too hot. Actually, it wasn't frivolous. She actually got money for that. Yeah, but anyway, made some like of the frivolous bandit. lawsuits out there, like, uh, Canada Dry Ginger Ale doesn't, in fact, have real ginger in it, although yeah. it says on the label. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. 
But this is like, I've been friend zoned. You've hurt me emotionally. $2.3 million because I'm a drone racing. Yeah, yeah, because I'm so sad that I can't fly my drone properly in my races. Is yeah. that okay? Uh, yeah, case closed, Your Honor. There you go. Three Shut months. Down. We've determined on the big show three months is the longest. You should absolutely go being in the friend zone because you should also pity your friends at the same time. Okay, uh, that's it for us. Big Flames Rangers breakdown tomorrow. Looking forward to that as well. Uh, we actually have hockey to talk about tomorrow, and there's a there's a good chunk of games on tonight too. So super pumped up about that. And your chance to qualify for another $500 gift card uh, for Valentine's Day. Um, looking forward to the show tomorrow. Uh, there's no more big show or whatever. Just Next. us. Just more of there's us. Just more of us again that you heard earlier on. So we'll talk Lucky to you tomorrow. You. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.